This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. That's L-I-B-R-I-V-O-X dot org. Around the World in 80 Days by Jules Verne Chapter 23 In which Passepartout's nose becomes outrageously long. The next morning, poor, jaded, famished Passepartout said to himself that he must get something to eat at all hazards, and the sooner he did so, the better. He might, indeed, sell his watch, but he would have starved first. Now or never, he must use the strong, if not melodious, voice which nature had bestowed upon him. He knew several French and English songs, and resolved to try them upon the Japanese, who must be lovers of music, since they were forever pounding on their cymbals, tom-toms, and tambourines, and could not but appreciate European talent. It was perhaps rather early in the morning to get up a concert, and the audience, prematurely aroused from their slumbers, might not possibly pay their entertainer with coin-bearing the Mikado's features. His part two, therefore, decided to wait several hours, and as he was suntering along, it occurred to him that he would seem rather too well-dressed for a wandering artist. The idea struck him to change his garments for clothes more in harmony with his project, by which he might also get a little money to satisfy the immediate cravings of hunger. The resolution taken, it remained to carry it out. It was only after a long search that Passepartout discovered a native dealer in old clothes, to whom he applied for an exchange. The man liked the European costume, and ere long Passepartout issued from his shop, accounted in an old Japanese coat and a sort of one-sided turban, faded with long use. A few small pieces of silver, moreover, jingled in his pocket. Good, thought he, I will imagine I am at the carnival. His first care, after being thus Japanese, was to enter a tea-house of modest appearance, and upon half a bird and a little rice, to breakfast like a man, for dinner was as yet a problem to be solved. Now, thought he, when he had eaten heartily, I mustn't lose my head. I can't sell this costume again for one still more Japanese. I must consider how to leave this country of the sun, of which I shall not retain the most delightful of memories as quickly as possible. It occurred to him to visit the steamers which were about to leave for America. He would offer himself as a cook or servant in payment of his passage and meals. Once at San Francisco, he would find some means of going on. The difficulty was how to traverse the 4,700 miles of the Pacific which lay between Japan and the New World. His part two was not the man to let an idea go begging, and directed his steps towards the docks, 
but as he approached them his project which at first had seemed so simple began to grow more and more formidable to his mind what need would they have of a cook or a servant on an american steamer and what confidence would they put in him dressed as he was what references could he give while he was reflecting in this wise his eyes fell upon an immense placard which a sort of clown was carrying throughout the streets this placard which was in english read as follows aerobatic japanese trapu honorable william betekar proprietor last representations prior to their departure to the united states of the long noses long noses under the direct patronage of the god tingu great attraction the united states said pispartu that's just what i want he followed the clown and soon found himself once more in the japanese quarter a quarter of an hour later he stopped before a large cabin adorned with several clusters of steamers the exterior walls of which were designed to represent in violent collars and without perspective a company of jugglers this was the honorable william betticar's establishment the gentleman was sort of barman the director of a trope of mountain banks jugglers clowns acrobats equilibrists and gymnasts who according to the placard was given his last performances before leaving the empire of the sun for the states of the union his part two entered and asked for mr battlecar who straightway appeared in person what do you want said he to Pispartu, whom at first took as a native would you like a servant sir asked Pispartu. a servant cried mr betulcar caressing the thick gray beard which hung from his chin i already have two who are obedient and faithful have never left me and serve me for their nourishment and here they are added he holding out his two robust arms furrowed with veins as long as the strings of a bass vial so i can be of no use to you none the devil i should so like to cross the pacific with you ah said the honorable mr betelcar you are no more a japanese than i am a monkey who are you dressed up in that way a man dresses as he can that's true you are a frenchman aren't you yes a parisian of paris then you ought to know how to make grimaces why replied Pispartu, a little vexed that his nationality should cause this question we frenchmen know how to make grimaces it is true but not any better than americans do true well if i can't take you as a servant i can as a clown you see my friend in france they exhibit foreign clowns and in foreign parts of french clowns ah you are pretty strong eh especially after a good meal and you can sing yes returned Pispartu, who had formerly 
been wont to sing in the streets but can you sing standing on your head with a top spinning on your left foot and a sabre balanced on your right huh i think so replied passepartout recalling the exercises of his younger days well that's enough said the honorable william brocar the engagement was concluded there and then passepartout had at least found something to do he was engaged to act in the celebrated japanese trophy it was not a very dignified possession but within a week he would be on his way to san francisco the performance so noisily announced but the honorable mr bulkar was to commence at three o'clock and soon the deafening instruments of a japanese orchestra resounded at the door part two though he had not been able to study or rehearse a part was designated to lend the aid of his sturdy shoulders in the great exhibition of the human pyramid executed by the long noses of the god tingu this great attraction was to close the performance before three o'clock the large shed was invaded by the spectators comprising europeans and natives chinese and japanese men women and children who precipitated themselves upon the narrow benches and into the boxes opposite the stage the musicians took up a position inside and were vigorously performing on their gongs tom-toms flutes bones tambourines and immense drums the performance was much like acrobatic displays but it must be confessed that the japanese are the first equilibrists in the world one with a fan and some bits of paper performed the graceful trick of the butterflies and the flowers another traced in the air with the odorous smoke of his pipe a series of blue words which composed a compliment to the audience while a third juggled with some lighted candles which he extinguished successfully as they passed his lips and relit again without interrupting for an instant his juggling another reproduced the most singular combinations with a spinning top in his hands the revolving tops seemed to be animated with a life of their own in their interminable whirling they ran over pipe stems and edges of sabres wires and even hairs stretched across the stage they turned around on the edges of large glasses curled bamboo ladders disparsed into all the corners and produced strange musical effects by the combination of their various pitches of tone the jugglers tossed them in the air threw them like shuttlecocks with wooden battledores and yet they kept on spinning they put them into their pockets and took them out still whirling as before it was useless to describe the astonishing performance of the acrobats and gymnasts the turning on the ladders poles balls barrels and was executed with wonderful precision
but the principal attraction was the exhibition of the long noses a show to which europe is as yet a stranger the long noses form a peculiar company under the direct patronage of the god tingu attired after the fashion of the middle ages they bore up their shoulders a splendid pair of wings but what especially distinguished them was their long noses which were fastened to their faces and these uses which they made of them these noses were made of bamboo and were five six and even ten feet long some straight and others curved some ribboned and some having imitation warts upon them it was upon these appendages fixed tightly on their real noses that they performed their gymnastic exercises a dozen of these sectaries of tingu lay flat upon their backs whilst others dressed to represent lightning rods came and frolicked on their noses jumping from one to another and performing the most skilful of leapings and somersaults as the last scene a human pyramid had been announced in which fifty long noses were to represent the car of juggermuth but instead of forming a period of mounting each other's shoulders the artists were to group themselves upon the noses it happened that the performer who had hitherto formed the base of the car had quitted the trappe and as to fill this part only strength and adroitness were necessary his part too had been chosen to take his place the poor fellow really felt sad when melancholy remnants of his youth he donned his costume adorning with very colored wings and fastened to his natural feature a false nose six feet long but he cheered up when he thought that this nose was winning him something to eat he went upon the stage and took his place beside the rest who were to compose the base of the car of juggernaut they all stretched themselves on the floor their noses pointing to the ceiling a second group of artists disposed themselves on these long appendages then a third above these then a fourth until a human mountain reaching to the very cornices of the theatre soon arose on top of the noses this allocated loud applause in the midst of which the orchestra was just striking up a deafening air when the pyramid tottered the balance was lost one of the lower noses vanished from the pyramid and the human mountain was shattered like a castle built of cards it was Pispartu's fault abandoning his position clearing the footlights without aid of his wings and clambering up to the right-hand gallery he fell at the feet of one of the spectators crying ah my master my master you hear myself very well then let us go to the steamer young man mr fogg aoda and passepartout passed 
through the lobby of the theater to the outside, where they encountered the Honorable Mr. Buttlecar, furious with rage. He demanded damages for the breakage of the pyramid, and Phileas Fogg appeased him by giving him a handful of banknotes. At half-past six, the very hour of departure, Mr. Fogg and Iota, followed by Passepartout, who in his hurry had retained his wings and nose six feet long, stepped upon the American steamer. End of chapter 23 This has been a TBL3 production.